and good morning. This is Hour of the Wolf. Okay, well, last week at the New York Review of Science Fiction Readings, uh, our special guests, we had two this month in order to accommodate, in fact, uh, Rudy Rucker's coming to New York. And to before the reading was done, before the reading began, I should say, Rudy and I went downstairs in the venue where we hold the event at the Soho Gallery for Digital Art, and we recorded about half an hour discussion of, well, what's been going on. And here it is. Today is March, we're in March, right? Mm-hmm. March 13th. Yes. At uh, oh my God, already a quarter to six in the afternoon mm-hmm. uh, at the Soho Gallery of Digital Art. I am Jim Freund. With me is Rudy Rucker. Hi, Jim. Hi, Rudy. How are you? I'm fine. It's nice to be here. It's great to be here. Why are you in New York? I came out well, really for a vacation, and I'm going to see my editor at Tor, and I want to see my new agent, and also. Uh, thought I'd do a little promo, so you, you kindly helped arrange a reading for me at the Nurseship, as you call it. Nurseship. Nurseship. The New York Review of Science Fiction Readings. Yeah. yeah which the, I, uh, I usurped Nurseship. There's a... At the fabulous Soho Digital Art Gallery. It is fun. It is a yeah. good space. And uh, so I'm going to be reading from Nested Scrolls tonight. Okay, which is an... It's an autobiography. Yes, uh... I was a little torn whether to call it a memoir or autobiography, but I figured if it's your whole life, it's an autobiography. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I, I have to admit it yet. Uh, I only got it in the mail like a couple of days ago from Tor. But um, I, I'm waiting with bated breath. This is a crazy week for me. The moment this week is over, and that includes a science fiction convention this weekend. Lunacon. Lunacon, which mm-hmm. I, I only do about three conventions a year, mm-hmm. but I love moderating. I'm, I'm a moderator slut. Mm-hmm. So, and they've got me moderating seven things. Good. Uh, so right after that, I'm reading the book. And, uh, I mean, I cannot begin to do an intro for you um, because you are a uh, polymath mm-hmm. I think that's a fair yep a polymath polyhedral polyhedral yeah, yeah. and that, that's a fair description of you I always wondered why they say polymath because it seems to imply different parts of math I mean but you have that too yes I do yeah <laughs> yeah you, you, you are a mathematician, an artist, a writer. Um, help me here. Computer scientist. So, oh, God, yes, computer scientist. Uh, there's major software out there that wouldn't exist had you not worked on it. Uh, whether it's major, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I've worked on some Autodesk software. and Well, let's put it this way. Freeware. I have, I have a... a uh, a fellow who lives near me uh-huh. who's an architect uh-huh. and if he didn't have Autodesk he yeah. wouldn't be an architect yes yeah, yeah that's, that's, so that's major yes yeah and what, what freeware well if you go on my if you go on my blog page there's rudyrucker.com slash blog at the upper right there's a, a link for software and most of the products when I was working at Autodesk 
we did some uh, sort of science series products. We did one for James Glick's book, Chaos. And, oh. And we did, I was very interested in cellular automata for many years. And uh, I was involved with two different packages to see those tasty little suckers. One's called Cell Lab, and the other is called Kapow. And uh, they sort of turn your screen into a lava lamp, but it's a scientific lava lamp. Yeah. I actually do remember that now. Yeah. Um, we did an interview that we both barely remember some 15 <laughs> years ago or something. Our right. wolf at the time of this recording is 40 years and two months old mm -hmm. and uh, for the first 15 years was a daily show <laughs> so yeah. I've got a lot to uh, yeah. try to remember. A lot. You're responsible for a lot. Yeah, yeah. well Margo Adler now yeah. with NPR started she did the first two years mm -hmm. but even then I was her engineer and co-host and I remember that clearly because we did an entire week of Schrodinger's cat shows yeah, I did a Schrodinger's cat story. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you and it's one of my earliest stories. Yeah, and uh, uh, I remember that well. So we did a show about that. We did a show with George Alec Effinger where he did, I think it was Schrodinger's kitten. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's it's fun. Uh -huh. And Le Guin has a Schrodinger's. There, there, there are a bunch of good Schrodinger's cat stories. Yeah, it's an interesting paradox. It's well, the whole thing. The idea of are there parallel worlds or is there just one world but there's sort of several layers of it that are fuzzily overlaid on each other. That's in some ways more appealing. Uh, if you look at your s state of mind when you're thinking about things, things often aren't either, you know, dead cat or live cat. They're blamed. When you pick up the menu before you've decided what to order, there's a sort of layers of different things that you might order. And a lot of uh, a lot of the time, when you're not really verbalizing, your mind is in a sort of fuzzy, mixed state, which is, uh, I think, a good thing. Do you have just really stupid question? Do you have any kind of a Weltanschauung? Is there a way that you would describe easily a Weltanschauung? Yeah. But thank you for pronouncing it. My name is Freund. I know nothing. Of German, but uh -huh. but but uh, what what is your entire name, by the way? Speaking of oh, let's German? not go there. Okay. Oh, okay, it would take up half the show. Uh, so, well, I guess it's a couple of ideas of my worldview. Uh, one would be that the universe is beautiful and it's alive, and we're part of this big living organism. And for that reason, there's no reason to be that frightened about death. You're, the, the big aha will always be there, the, the one giant wander glob that we're part of. And uh, it's also even possible in some ways to psychically connect with the one in certain moments when you're in a good emotional state, you're in love with someone, or you're overcome by the beauty of the natural scenes around you, uh, you have this feeling of unity with the entire cosmos. And so that's my sort of underlying view of the world. And artistically, I think the kinds of things that I like are things that aren't too orderly and they're, they're not too random. 
and I sometimes use the technical computer science word gnarly for those things. So, I mean, I use that word in technical writing, but not anybody else does. Other people use the word chaotic, but I think chaotic doesn't quite capture what's meant. And so something that's living, living things are gnarly. You know, they have these complex patterns. That's why we like to see living things and why it's dreary to be cooped up in a veal pen in a beige plastic office environment because you're not seeing anything that's gnarly and, and complex and interesting. And uh, so maybe that's a, a long enough answer. So you want to stick in some... Well, I, uh, no, well, first of all, I love that. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and the idea that it's this positive view to me is just fabulous. Um, and yet there are, I mean, some of your writing is dark, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, in the, uh, what, what would you call the, uh, uh, see, I haven't done my research. I just read you. So the Wetware Trilogy, is that a good name for it? What is? Well, now it's actually, it grew. It's there's, more than There's a, a fourth one. It's called the Ware Tetralogy. And that was actually, that had finally all gone out of print, but now we got it back in print. There's a single giant volume called The Wear Tetralogy. I have to get that. Who published that? Prime. Ah. So Prime sells it in two forms as a, a giant fat paperback, but with a, a nice size font. Uh, he was good about, Sean Wallace was good about giving it a, a decent font size, not trying to scrimp. And uh, he sells it as an ebook, And something I did, which annoyed Sean, but I thought it was worth doing, was also to release a, a free Creative Commons version of the book. Mm -hmm. So if you're impecunious, you can actually read it for nothing. But even so, we were wondering, there's always the... But Corey, people have to respect the Creative Commons. Yeah, Cory Doctorow has this theory that that won't hurt your sales. And I'm never really sure if he's right about that, but... It's, I I have an opinion. Okay. I think he's right. If you are a Rudy Rucker or a Cory Doctorow or somebody major, um, I think that it really does help. Uh, that it doesn't bite into somebody wanting to own the hardware version of the book, or too. even the ebook, though, still sells, which is interesting. Yeah, but I think that if you are a starting writer, yes, and a first novel or uh -huh. short uh, uh, short stories or something else, but a first novel or something like that, I think it will hurt. It seems possible. It's it's also murky because now ebooks. I mean, do Borders drove the independents out of business, then they went under, and now. We've got like one bookstore in most towns, and that's Barnes and Noble, you know. And even the one on Union Square, which is really one of my favorite bookstores, I went in there just yesterday. And half the half the ground floor is greeting cards now. Which, yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I used to work at Coliseum Books, which was you know one of the greatest independent bookstores in New York, uh -huh. which is saying a lot. And yeah. that was a two story yeah. bookstore and it was really wonderful they just could not live in uh, they've been out now for about eight years and I mourned their, their loss well what what I'm doing and on, my job on this front <laughs> yeah is I've decided to just get into ebooks uh, myself and I'm going to be publishing some of my out of print books or some other collection type things 
as ebooks on my own. I'm calling myself Trans Real Books. And actually, I just put out my complete stories, which is 67 stories. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a great. So it's a giant volume that wouldn't really be feasible in, as a print volume. It would be too big. It would have to be two volumes. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm selling it as an ebook, and I've got it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and working on getting it on as iBook. And also, I'm selling it direct uh, off my website, RudyRocker.com/transreal. And I thought I would just start selling it at four ninety five. Which is, in a way, if you saw, I mean, wow. it's a nice, it's a bargain. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, even from Amazon, I get 70% of whatever they sell it for. So that's actually, if they were selling it, if, if I was selling it through a publisher, you know, and they were selling it for whatever, 15 or 20 bucks, I'd be lucky to get a dollar out of that by yeah. the time they were th through with it. And if I sell it on Amazon myself for five bucks, you know, I might get three bucks, you know. So it's feasible to do a, a low price if you're selling it yourself. Yeah. Um, but that's maybe, this is all getting too businessy, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, I love talking about business on the shows, but we're also limited on time. I mean, I've, yes. I, I've had just, you know, editors and agents battling it out, and I'd love to do a thing right now on the further battles with against uh, well, it's Amazon all very, and very the murky now. It's it's like you're in a small boat. We used to go boating in Maine. My father had a motorboat, and you would go in these narrow straits. And when the tide was running, there'd be these these standing waves that were rather disturbing and whirlpools, and that's sort of how publishing is these days. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a couple of pointed questions, one of which will be for a different broadcast. Okay. Uh, the, the first is, you're going to be reading for us tonight. Yes. Give us either a foreword or an afterword to what you're going to be reading. Okay, I'm going to be reading from my autobiography, Nested Scrolls. And I guess one reason I wrote the book was to... Well, I've been a novelist. I've written, whatever, 20 novels. And so I wanted to think, what if I looked at my life as a novel? Because when you're starting a novel and when you're pitching it, you're always thinking about what's the story arc here? You know, what's the process in this book? What happens? And so I thought I would like to sort of think of my life. And so there's a bit of leisure domain that happens because you take the sort of messy heap of your life and you say, I'm going to pretend that it had a story arc, and I'll see what it was. And So then I wanted to sort of do that and get in touch with my past self and also talk about my worldview and uh, why I think take science fiction as seriously as I do. So those are some of the things I touch on in the book. Also, I have, I've had good luck in my life. I've met a number of interesting people. I got to meet the great... Logician Kurt Girdle of Girdle's Incompleteness. That's here. right, yes. Hung around with him a little bit. And See, I, sh I should have boned up. I was so busy today, put printing out things, <laughs> but I had to re refresh myself of some of this. Yeah. I mean, Girdle, I mean, that's... Yeah, and, that, and Robert Sheckley and Tim Leary. I mean, all sorts of diverse... Those two I met, but Girdle to me, that's... Fabulous. Oh, yeah, he was the king. He was the great guru. 
And that was a big deal to meet him. And so uh, my adventures in Hollywood, sort of interesting. Uh, diving in Micronesia with my brother was a very interesting adventures we had. And so I wanted to like basically put together the best stories that I like to tell, you know, about things that have happened to me and to see a sort of growth process where I started out as sort of very rebellious and uh, fearful. And over the years, you know, I got to be more interested in doing productive things and uh, had a family. There was a period when I drank a lot and then eventually I quit drinking. And so that's part of the story too, though. I don't see this as one of those books that's mainly about that, the author's descent into hell and his <laughs> escape from the clutches of the demon. You know, I don't really, my life isn't really like that. It was like I was getting worse and then I got better. It's more, less intense than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always kept writing. That was always for me the, people sometimes say, well, what's your real career? And certainly my real career has been writing. The yeah. teaching, the mathematics, the computer science, all that was, it was more really in the way of hobby or in the way of a day job. You know, even if you're a fairly successful writer like me, most of us don't make enough money to live on. And so you, you have to have some other source of income. And so that's uh, kind of what the book is about. Yeah, that's the sad part of writing genre, getting back to the business, is that it doesn't pay the Tom Clancy numbers or anything. Well, I think, actually, I think things might even be worse if you're a mid-list non-genre writer. Yeah. I mean, if you're science fiction and you're mid-list, you're probably going to sell, you know, 3,000, 5,000. And I have a feeling if you write, you know, even a well-reviewed first novel, the New York Times book review, I think it's entirely possible that you're going to sell 1,000 copies of that or... Not yeah. even that many. Because there's, I think the science fiction people, they're more, they're seriously addicted to the stuff. and They've got to have it. Thank God for that. Yeah, they've got to have it. That, that's why the reading series here, yeah. uh, uh, New York sustains very well two reading series. Uh-huh. We do not compete. We each get nice numbers. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, why a 40-year-old radio show is able to attain a listenership on science fiction despite being on it, well, shall we say, strange hours of the night before there was such a thing Mm -hmm. as podcast or internet stream. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I ever heard the first interview you did with me. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll have to dig that up, but my archives are... It could be that I heard it and I've forgotten. They're on tape and unlabeled. I I have a project ahead of me. Uh-huh. I need my own little library. Yes, and a cute librarian. Uh, yeah, well, I'm looking for interns, if anybody's <laughs> listening, in all seriousness, and I'll teach them radio as a result. Uh-huh. Uh, now I want to ask you a question for a totally different show. I learned from your Facebook page about the death of Peter Bergman. Yes. And when I started at WBAI as a volunteer May 1st, 1967. That means in two months I'll have been volunteering there for 45 years. 
Mm-hmm. One of the things that drew me into that station was listening to the Firesign Theater. Yes. Sometimes they were on live. That would have been great. Uh, they s- they started on our sister station on uh, KPF uh, A in Los Angeles. And uh, one of them was from our station. He was our music director. And the rest were, one was from KPFK and the other two... No, they were on KPFK, that's right. One was from KPFA, the others were from the L.A. station. And they were the heart and soul listening to that stuff in the 60s. To This was literary, literate, radio, drama, comedy, and great science fiction. Well, yeah, I can say a little bit about the Fireside Theater. Uh, yeah, it was around, I guess it would have been around... 1969 I first started hearing them and uh, yeah I thought it was the best thing I'd ever heard and at that time getting stereo earphones was something a little bit new and they sort of really catered to that where particularly I'm thinking of we're all bozos on this bus and I used to love to put on my stereo earphones. There is, by the way, a quad version of that. And if you version. can, yes, and if yeah. you can find good uh-huh. quadraphonic equipment, uh-huh. both Don't Crush That Dwarf Hand Me the Pliers and uh-huh. Bozos uh-huh. have amazing quad yeah. re-engineered versions. It was also very much connected with um, pot humor. They had a lot of jokes about marijuana, and very often you would get get high with people and then listen to them. Though they're actually even very funny if you weren't high. Uh, and Bozos in particular had really a huge influence on me. I like to say that it taught me how to write science fiction. Because it was it was sort of... There was this... Science fiction had gotten sort of... Oh, like arena rock. It had gotten sort of stuffy, you know. Just the Space Navy, you know. And hereditary aristocrats and... It had gotten sort of stodgy, and then, but they were had this sort of almost what we would later call punk aspect of just coming at science fiction and getting into the the good old power chords, the riffs, and doing that and having fun with it. And that's that's what I got out of Bozos. That uh, well, Robert Sheckley was always like that. But yeah. they were sort of like Robert Sheckley brought. I, I would definitely put them into the same category of yeah. Sheckley. If you like one, you'll like the other. Yeah. And uh, they pair and, well. And the thing is, you can be, you can be serious without being solemn. You know, in a way, Sheckley was very serious about his concerns about the human condition and even some fire sign. But that doesn't mean that you have to be sort of stuffy and masterpiece theater and all that, you know. So, um, yeah, and I like the way, I love their accents and the the gimmicks, you know. what uh, Sometimes cartoonists use this expression, eyeball kicks. It's <laughs> very, that was a Mad Magazine term. You put, like, Wally Wood or especially uh, the other guy whose name I can't think of. Don because, Martin, maybe? No, no. Oh, Will Elder. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. He would always he would do these comic strip parodies like Starchy, you know. And he would always have all these little things in the corners of the the frames you could find, and 
really funny little details. Yeah, Ralph Bakshi tries to do that in movies. So oh, not always Bakshi. successfully, no. but yeah. but always interestingly. But that was something that the fire sign was doing too, because there'd be these little voices in the background and little other things happening. Oh yeah, and when you, when you listen in headphones, and yeah. you hear that. The, the what the voices are saying in yeah. the background and yeah. one, one of them is reading Joyce yeah you know and and it, oh yeah it, yeah. Uh, it has a fractal quality yeah there's a lot of deeper and deeper layers Mandelbro radio yeah <laughs> and that was something or fractal that, radio I like no fractal you're right that was something then I took to uh, doing that in my stories trying to have interesting things and then not having to you know pound it in you know pound the nail all the way in you just put something cool mm. off in the corner so yeah they uh i even quoted them sometimes in some of my stories i've noticed yeah yeah so i was a, a huge fan of theirs my wife and i once saw them live at uh princeton there's this beautiful theater it's a round i can't remember what it's called uh something like it's some shakespearean type theater and they were there and they were just really ripping the place up. They were. It's fun to see them doing the sound effects too. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, that that's a whole table a full of yeah. equipment. Yeah, yeah. They did a real foley, yeah, uh, classic uh, uh, job. Yeah. And, yeah. and as a person who's produced radio drama, yeah. um, I learned yeah. much of what I think radio drama should be like by listening to them. Uh -huh. And in fact, for years, I refused. To listen to old time radio drama uh -huh. because I had this fire sign theater insanity uh -huh. in my head yeah. where I wanted to take science fiction short stories and adapt them yes. at, with the mindset of fire sign theater Roger the, rather than you know Hyman Brown or Norman Corwin. Not that these masters didn't know what they were doing, yeah. but they were of a different thing. One day in about 1976, I got to interview Hyman Brown, High Brown of CBS Mystery Theater, and he'd been working since the 40s and all that. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, ah, this guy's a dinosaur. He doesn't know what's going. And I start talking, and I say, so what to you is great science fiction, uh, great radio drama? And he said, well, you have to start with the fire sign theater. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, maybe this guy does know what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, there was, I just wish, it's like you, you always wish there had been 10 more albums, you know? Yeah, there were, there were 10 more albums, but they didn't have that depth. It's yeah. the first four. That, well, in the next world, you're on your own. That's, that's not a bad one either. Oh, there's good stuff in there. Yeah. The, the, I wish they'd done better movies. Yeah, the one, the, the voiceover, the sort of dub movie they did of uh, Everything You Know Is Wrong. That's, yeah. That's a wonderful, I, I just... I love that. Their G-Man movie is fun. I never uh, saw that. Yeah, it's it's uh, there. There is a website that uh -huh. uh, they, that that a fan of theirs put together uh -huh. that they codified uh -huh. and made a part of, and all that stuff is available for download. Oh, I should well worthwhile. Yeah. I'll, I'll get you the URL. Yeah. Um, so let's move out of that show, because yes. I'm going to do a separate fire sign show, and I'm going to cut that in, Okay. and get back to my Rudy Rucker show. Mm -hmm. And um, you have been labeled by some as a cyberpunk writer. Sure. Is, is that something you... Oh, I'm happy to be a cyberpunk. For sure, I'm a cyberpunk. I mean... I think you were a cyberpunk before 
I'm the, well before the term existed. I'm the godfather of cyberpunk. They yeah. sometimes say. Thank you. I was the first cyberpunk. Though I mean John Shirley was also could be called the first cyberpunk and who'll be here in two months, by the way. That's great, yeah. I'm glad he's he's getting in on this. Yeah. And and then well it was Bruce Sterling who sort of made me aware that there was a budding movement. I was just writing these books on my own, living in Lynchburg, Virginia, and uh, I'd published Software and Space-Time Donuts and the mm-hmm. 57th Franz Kafka Story Collection. Oh, God, that was a, such a wonderful book. It's part of Complete Stories. Anyway, so then Bruce uh, started writing me and was talking about William Gibson, and then I saw Gibson's story in Omni, Johnny Memnonic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I think Ellen Datlow has a lot to answer for in the creation yeah. of cyberpunk. She bought a lot of great stories. Well, she never bought one by me. Well, she bought a lot, not yeah. all. <laughs> I'm still here. She and never Om- bought one from you? I'm still here, and Omni's gone, so. Yeah, but Datlow's still around. Yeah, well, she, I like her. She's a great She's person. wonderful. She's yeah. wonderful. I have She's, her on my show a lot. Yeah, a wonderful person. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so for sure I'm a cyberpunk. And it's cyber, you're interested in robot consciousness, and it's punk because you don't want to do arena rock science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Where the heroes are hereditary aristocrats who are captains in the Space Navy, you know. You want to do ones where the heroes are scumbags, you know, they're gutter, gutter punks, you know. Yeah, they, they, come, out of, yeah, they come out of the noir. Pardon me. They come out of the noir tradition. Yes, the noir tradition, exactly. And uh, and that's it. It hasn't been quite exhausted yet. I mean, you, I can still flip back into that mode sometimes. Yeah. When actually, I did a book a couple of years ago called Post Singular. Yes. And I wanted to make that be more like a cyberpunk book. And the main characters were these young kids. They're called Kikis, and they were. They were addicted to something, but it was, wasn't a drug. It was sort of merging their brains with the giant one cosmic mind that had developed. You know, the sort of the idea of the pool of all of Earth's computers becoming a single overarching mind, and they were, in a way, addicted to contact with that thing. They called it the big pig. <laughs> 